The Man War Podcast is sponsored by Alt Playground. APG is more than just a place to find couples to swap with. Alt Playground is a lifestyle community for all non-monogamous and sexually adventurous people to connect and share. And you know I started a profile. Join me over at altplayground.net. That's A-L-T playground.net. It's the sex toy revolutionizing masturbation. The handy will get any dick haver through quarantine and can even let a long-distance partner control your orgasm from afar. Get free shipping with code BILLY20 at thehandy.com. That's T-H-E-H-A-N-D-Y dot com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. Shout out to the Army of Allies, to the Social Justice Warriors, to the Keyboard Gladiators, and all the cancel culture conquistadors. This is Billy Presida, and you're listening to the Man Whore Podcast. When the cancel culture critics show up to complain about the restriction of the freedom of speech, many of my fellow stand-up comedians tend to be a part of that crowd. Uh, you know, I'm always confused. Like, what do we even mean by being canceled? What, what does that mean? Like, did someone lose a job? Were they deplatformed? Were they castrated? What are we talking about? When you're railing against freedom of speech, like remember the First Amendment, everyone who shouts First Amendment, I'm like, you have the First Amendment guarantees you the protection of free speech from the government, not from Facebook, not from Twitter, not from your peers. You have a freedom of speech, not a freedom of social consequences of that speech. You don't have a freedom of business consequences of that speech. That's why you can get fired from a company if you tell your boss to go fuck off, right? And when people are railing like, oh, my freedom of speech to say the N-word on Twitter is being infringed upon. I'm like, is it? I'm sorry, is there a law on the books that prevents you from speaking the way you want to? Are there bills that get passed around committees and floor votes attempting to limit your speech on the internet? Now, the answer is yes, and I'll explain why in a moment, but if you ask them directly, they'd be like, uh, no, I just, I just thought it was weird that I can't, you know, contemplate just the thought idea of like, what if we put women back in the kitchen? Why do I got to lose my job over that? <laughs> well, I just said that the shithole countries because they don't have unlimited Wi-Fi and they also happen to have a lot of black people. What's the problem? If you ask people like, hey, are your rights being, is your, is your freedom of speech being infringed upon by the government, which is what your First Amendment right is, uh, they will say no. The actual answer is yes. They just don't know it. Sesta Fosta, as I've said many times, was kind of the, a, a, a raw beginning of it. We had Caitlin Bailey on to discuss the Earn It Act and, and what's coming down the pipeline with that. And now there's a new piece of legislation you need to know the name of, and you need to know it because it will directly affect you. 
and your porn. The Stop Internet Sexual Exploitation Act was uh, introduced last week by Republican Ben Sasse of Nebraska and Jeff Merkley, Democrat of Oregon. Yep, bipartisan efforts, folks. By the way, it also goes by the name Sissia, which I think is a really good name for a dom. Goddess Sissia, Mistress Sissia. Oh, great if you have a sub who has a lisp. <laughs> um, I have a link in the show notes uh, to a great Twitter thread from Anna Valens. Uh, she's a good person to follow regarding all this stuff. She writes, the bill targets any online platform that, quote, hosts and makes available to the general public. Pawn. This essentially ranges from OnlyFans to Twitter. The bill demands sites with porn institute strenuous verification and content moderation systems, such as a 24-hour platform hotline with a two-hour window to pull reported material. Now, folks, this can include, you know, your porn hubs of the world. This can be the OnlyFans, but this can also be Twitter. This can be Reddit. This can be WhatsApp, which is owned by Facebook, which certainly wants to make sure that uh, they are in compliance <laughs> when it comes to adult material. To the point that they overregulate, and uh, I get threatened to lose my Instagram account because I post a video of me pulling a microphone out of my pants. It also demands, like, uh, you know, doing lots of age verification of any performer and any content, past and present. Uh, and they'd have to be able to maintain that database. They have to be able to secure that database because have a lot of personal information. Uh, if you're a revenge porn uh, victim, you would also have to, like, Give verify who you are, and that goes into a debase too. There's a lot of cost shit going on here because this is what the government does. Since they know they can't directly infringe upon your free speech, Mr. Parlor Man, they do what they can do. They pressure platforms to limit our speech. Because again, you don't have a freedom of speech from Twitter. You have a freedom of speech from the government. And here's what Sissia would do, uh, going back to Anna Valens' uh, thread, quote, this creates a situation where legal liability and the cost involved in creating enforcement structures are so strenuous that most social media websites will simply remove NSFW content as opposed to micromanage it. It's too much effort. It's too much money to follow whatever regulation that the government imposes. It's easier for us to say, fuck you whores off the platform. This may sound like it's just a porn problem, of course, right? You're like, oh, whatever. It just affects the porn people. I'll just go to Pornhub. I'm sure they'll do the things. Okay, yeah, maybe they will. But you know who else this affects? Sex educators. Just trying to teach the world about consent and how your pussy works. Doulas. Queer folks. Because, hey, what's one of the major differentiations between queer folks and cisgender straight people? But... The types of sex that you have and your relationship to your genitals. Gosh, talking openly and honestly about that could be misinterpreted as porn with the wrong buzzwords and boop, off you go. It even affects lowly sex podcasters in basements in Bushwick. And soon it can come for you too. Do you like talking about sex in your WhatsApp group chat? Ah, hold on there. It's possible that could be seen as a legal liability. Especially because the way they write these bills is so broad, it's so vague, it, it doesn't even exactly define what porn means enough that really the lawyers at these platforms got to go, hey, we got to kind of be super safe, so we're going to limit a lot of stuff. This is how it fucking starts. It just doesn't seem like it affects you yet. And I promise it will. Okay, Sesta Fosta, we lost Backpage. Craigslist took down their casual encounter section. We saw community guidelines on multiple platforms tighten up. Tumblr, 
booted NSFW content altogether. Now, this bill did die in committee, but it can come back again in the new Congress, which starts very shortly. And it can come back in the Congress after that. And what can you do? I'm telling you, please call a rep, call a senator. Let them know that this is not what your values are. Let them know that this bill does not actually fight sexual exploitation, just like SESTA-FOSTA doesn't actually help sex trafficking victims. Sissia is not going to end revenge porn and, and child pornography. This is not the way to fix that. This is just a very nice publicity stunt. This is a nice way to attack whores and look like you're doing the good work. I have called centrist cuck Joshi Gothheimer multiple times. I've had my mom call the guy. If you've never made a fucking call to a government representative, if you've never given me $2 on Patreon, you you owe it to all the adult creators that you enjoy, to the shows you listen to that talk about sex and dating and love and queerness. You owe it to all of them to make a fucking phone call. You call your two senators. Every state has two senators, okay? And then you call your congressional representative and you let them know that this is not your value. Okay, these phone calls take anywhere from like 45 seconds to three minutes. I promise. It's quick, it's easy, and it actually helps. Please do it. Please. And at a bare fucking minimum, please go read the Twitter thread that I'm linking to in the show notes uh, from Anna Valens and at least know what the fuck's going on. Because next thing you know, there are going to be restrictions in there where we're like, I don't know, man, whore podcast. That seems dicey, and we don't want to put in the resources to actually check on it. So let's just pull it from our platform altogether. That's what's going to happen. And we're not being alarmist about it. SESTA-FOSTA has already, we already, we've already seen the effects of it on the internet. This is the beginning of restricting your speech by first restricting sex speech. And then they're like, well, we could restrict the sex speech. So how about we also restrict some of this speech over here and this speech over here. And now you actually have the government infringing upon your freedom of speech you parlor simps if you actually care about freedom of speech you have to care about the freedom of adult speech otherwise you're full of shit folks this week on the podcast talia laven she's got a book out called culture warlords it's great i can't wait to share her with y'all in a bit we had a great conversation uh but first i want to announce you know it's a new year and what better way to kick it off than giving away some money right we like giving money away I do prefer to count it and put it in my pocket myself, but on occasion, also like giving money away. Uh, <laughs> so folks, I'm doing a $100 Amazon gift card giveaway. Post about the Man Whore Podcast in your Instagram story and tag me to be entered. That's all you got to do. You post once, you're in the raffle. I'll be keeping track of all the story mentions. And at the end of January, I'm going to pull a random name out of a hat most likely on an Instagram live and, uh, and send a hundred dollar Amazon gift card to the winner's way. The Amazon gift card, by the way, that can be a hundred dollar, uh, Amazon gift card or a hundred dollar gift card to a local business of your choosing, whichever. Once again, post about the man whore podcast in your Instagram story, tag me at Billy is Presida to be entered. Oh, and by the way, if your Instagram is private and therefore I can't see it, uh, send a screenshot to me of you posting it on your story. I'll count that too. $100. Just got to post in your story. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy, fan whore appreciation moment real quick and easy. Um, did I already say quick and easy? I don't know. Andrew Tome. 
one of my latest Patreon members. Glad to have you in the community. Andrew Tome's actually a, a, a fellow comedian. He booked me on a show in St. Louis back when I was 22, and I drove from Chicago to St. Louis to do some bar show, and I was supposed to be the headliner, and then I got there, and the place was empty. He's like, yeah, man, no one showed up. We're canceling the show, and I'm like, I just drove like six hours to get here. <sighs> but a nice guy. He took me to some other show, and we got some stage time in. Nice fella. And glad you're part of the crew. Glad you're part of Fanhorn Nation, man. Thanks for supporting the podcast. And let's say you uh, would consider joining the Patreon community, but you need a little bit more than just some recognition. Hey, folks, I've got over 200 bonus episodes of the Manhor podcast available on Patreon. Tomorrow, I am dropping <laughs> I'm dropping a bonus episode with a fellow comic, Justin Zarilli, and we are talking all about that Instagram account, Gaze Over COVID. Circuit Gaze, I hear, is what we call them. Uh, so that'll be dropping tomorrow. And if you want to gain access to those bonus episodes and to our Patreon community and just support the whore with a heart of gold, you can do so for just $2 at patreon.com slash podcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash podcast. Oh, Talia uh, wrote a book called Culture Warlords, where she infiltrated internet groups for white supremacists, Klan members, Nazis incels she even infiltrated a white supremacist dating site whoa and then she wrote a book about it i was really excited to chat with her i'm really excited to read the book i hope you enjoy our chat uh incels is just a topic that fucking fascinates me so let's do a couple of ads and then let's go to get to my conversation with talia Levin. The Man Whore Podcast is sponsored by altplayground.net, the site to go for your next non-monogamous adventure. Although during these times, maybe it's the place to go to, uh, you know, begin connecting and planning for your next non-monogamous adventure. And we here at the Man Whore Podcast, we want to congratulate APG on becoming a finalist for an ASN award uh, for best lifestyle dating site. So I'm glad that my partners um, are being recognized for being just a dope dating site for people who date and fuck just a little bit differently. APG is so cool because they have really started condensing all of the lifestyle sites and all of their various memberships into one nice, clean interface where you can virtually connect and chat and flirt and uh, and virtual fuck. Yeah, virtual fucking. Oh, we'll talk about how we could tie in the virtual fucking you do on APG with my next sponsor in the next ad. Oh, gosh, I'm excited. I just put that together. Folks, what are you doing? I've been talking about them for months. Go sign up today at altplayground.net. That's A-L-T playground.net and start connecting. The Handy is the masturbatory sex toy that is, oh my, oh gosh, going to change things for dick havers everywhere. Um, and I finally got my handy in the mail and I finally opened it up, have not used it yet, but oh my gosh, I am excited. I've like turned it on. So like I haven't, you know, it's, my dick's not in it yet, but oh, it will be soon. Uh, <laughs> I'm even more excited because I realized the, the, the handy, it's not even a fleshlight like toy. What they do is they have a fleshy sleeve that you put your dick in and then you like Velcro strap your covered cock to the toy and then the toy will stroke it up and down 
faster, slower. You can even set it up so it just jerks the head really fast. Like we know, yeah, you know, you like it when your partner, they do the part of the blowjob where they're just like going bah, 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 on the head. Yeah. You can make the handy do that. And it has Wi-Fi connectivity. So you can connect with a like-minded lifestyler on altplayground.net. And then you can give them access to your handy while you're safe at home. And then they can virtually jerk you off. Folks, what are you waiting for? Go to thehandy.com, use promo code BILLY20 at checkout to get free shipping. Again, that's T-H-E-H-A-N-D-Y.com, code BILLY20. Oh, I can't wait to put my dick in this thing. Now let's get to the show. Yeah, I have so much hair, like a <laughs> giant quantity of hair. My um my driver's license photo, like my it's very New Jersey. My hair doesn't fit in the photo, which is kind <laughs> of awesome. Um Yeah. I like a lot of the interviews have been like, Are you okay? And I'm like, oh, ah. I'm I don't know. Is anyone? But uh yeah, I I would never infiltrate like the kink community or anyone. Like the infiltration I did for the book was like I'm going to infiltrate like shitty extremist communities full of horrible people. And like it was catfishing for the sake of like getting to the heart of things in ways I couldn't as like a Jewish woman. Like mm. it wasn't catfishing for the sake of catfishing. I don't want to like fool or lie to people who are like just like like <laughs> like leather or doing each other up the butt like it's fine. <laughs> Um, I'm. It's not catfishing, catfishing for the sake of catfishing. It was catfishing for like the greater good of humanity. Yeah, indeed, exactly. <laughs> That's right. You know, um, and so suck it, Nev Shulman, you weirdo. Um, <laughs> and uh, like so. I mean, so it was like the the sort of personas I took on for the book. They they wound up being. I mean, I don't know. Like, was it an investigative necessity? It was a little gonzo. It's maybe like, it's definitely been a big part of the marketing of the book. Although, like, there's a lot of history in the book, too. It's not like solely me doing these sort of stunts. <laughs> um, but I took on these personas so that I could, um, you know, enter these communities that I couldn't enter as myself. Um, because I'm Jewish, because I'm a woman, you know, and so these white supremacist communities, these incel communities, um, these sort of terrorist, white supremacist terror communities. <laughs> and and what brought you to, to do that in the first place? Um, well, I'd been writing about the far right for a few years before I started the book. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd been a target of the far right by virtue of sort of writing about them and then coming onto their radar and being, you know, a fat Jewish woman, um, and a feminist, like a nexus of a lot of things they hate. Um, so by virtue of who I am and then like sort of what I was saying, getting me onto their radar, I'd already been subject to kind of a lot of harassment and abuse. And I guess my feeling was, I want to see who these people are mm -hmm. that are doing this, not necessarily in the interest of humanizing them because I knew they were human from the start, 
like to me it was never a question of like you know I want to understand them in some touchy-feely way it was like I want to understand what makes them tick in order to like defeat them (laughs) or like what are the choices that corrode a person this way like I don't find their the fact of their humanity or the fact that the choice to kind of inflict hatred and like seek out a darker and more violent world uh like being the culmination of human choices i don't find that to be you know an absolving factor um i find it damns them further Mm -hmm. you know like we're all human and we all make choices in our one wild and precious life and like they're the people that go and like torment people of color and jews just for existing and, and being those things. It's like you're human and you didn't make the choice to hate black people, right? It's like you they could have done that choice. They chose not to. So fuck them. Yeah. I mean, it's like society indoctrinates us enough in racism. Like we don't like people who go and like seek it further make those choices. So I don't have a lot of sympathy for the community. I think a lot of journalists especially white male journalists who sort of like white male gentile journalists who start oh geez keep describing me (laughs) sorry no it's okay no who like set out to write about white supremacists like not all of them but some of them like will talk to you know these white supremacists and like first of all are treated with some measure of respect because they are white male Gentiles Mm. and like kind of write these humanizing, sympathizing features of like, Oh, like, you know, this white supremacist can like make pasta without like jizzing a swastika into the pot. (laughs) Like, you know, like like, the bar. Oh my my God. He didn't like (laughs) drool for a whole hour. Like, should we be more complex and nuanced in our portrayals? And I'm like, no, absolutely not. That's not the viewpoint I bring or, like, not what I take away at all Mm. um, from the interactions I had. Like, quite the reverse. (laughs) It's like, yes, these are people. They are complex. They have lives. They have wives. They have houses. They have jobs. But, like, fuck them. Right. Fuck them. Yeah. That's where I kind of begin and end. But but the journey is sort of a, a radicalizing one. And, like, you get really up close like a like a colonoscopy of the far right. Ugh. <laughs> I'm making my book sound shit. really appealing. Just a great <laughs> great saleswoman. No, no, no. I think you're doing great. Something something I heard you um say before was just like again the how um people sometimes might characterize these types of people as like the Cletus in his basement in the Ozarks and, but in actuality, a lot of these guys, you know, people swipe by on, on Tinder every day. They look like me. They look like, you know, everyone's brother. Like it could actually kind of be anyone, um, could be one of these shit bags, uh, you know, and as one of those, uh, Gentile, uh, straight white fella people, you know, I look at a group like the incels and, I don't try to connect with them to like humanize. I, I, I just feel like, wow, like where did I turn left and they turned right? 
because I think like, oh, I sometimes see myself in a group like that and go, that could have been me in like Earth Prime 2. So how did I come here and they didn't? That's a... That was another community you you infiltrated, and I'd love to hear some more on like what was it like to infiltrate the the world of incels? Yeah, and people have also asked me like, why did you kind of focus on incels in a book that is sort of subtitled "My Journey into the Dark Web of White Supremacy"? Like, what do incels and white supremacists like sort of have in common? Why did you spend all this time on this? And so. Like, I did start out, I had written about incels before I started the book. And like, I think like a lot of people, you know, incels portray themselves as kind of, you know, the term is is short for involuntarily celibate, right? There's this idea of like, um, you know, I want to get laid desperately, um, but I can't. And like, of course, that's sort of an inherently sympathetic uh, position. Like, who among us has not, you know, had a dry spell? Who among us has not, you know, looked at ourselves and felt we fell short of, like, impossible beauty standards? Mm -hmm. You know, especially as someone who isn't, like, conventionally attractive. Like, for me, the idea, like, resonates. But then you look, like, you just... You don't even have to scratch the surface. You just like look at the surface of their rhetoric and like look at what they're actually saying, you know, as opposed to mm. kind of how they portray themselves or are portrayed by unwarrantedly like sympathetic media. And essentially, the incel movement is a hate movement. It's a hate movement against women. Like that's what it is. It's a movement of radicalized misogyny. And so I, I wrote, I included it in the book because a big sort of like column prop of the book is is this uh, like examining the role of misogyny and misogyny in internet culture and like the development of white supremacy online but um so i mean the first revelation i guess is that like you know this doesn't have anything to do with sex really like and there are some interesting data points propping that up like you know i i infiltrated this the biggest like incel message board online uh, in order to write that chapter. And what, and what goes into that? Like how, how does one, I mean, it may, it may not work today because you, you fooled them and wrote a book, but how does one infiltrate a community like the incel world? So you actually have to, I mean, so, so like initially I was doing a lot of my research on Reddit and Reddit has like cracked down on several successive incel communities. And so now they're kind of congregating a lot on this one message board that I won't name just because like I don't necessarily want to send people there. But it's like, you know, a big and very radicalized message board for incels. And in order to sign up for an account so you can access, like, the private chat and, like, the private rooms, you have to, like, say why you're an incel and, like, give your backstory. And I initially sort of gave a pretty perfunctory little story of, like, oh, you know, I'm short and ugly and I can't meet girls or whatever. And they were, like, rejected, didn't give enough background on your situation you're not pathetic enough for us okay buddy or like <laughs> or just like you didn't you know write enough so i like wound up kind of 
really getting into my like mind space where I, you know, was like harvesting all this misogyny and like their terminology and kind of um, wrote this sort of passion, impassioned biography of this like young man who like was just like really bitter at women or as they call them femoids, um, you know, <laughs> who, who was like, you know, or foids, which is short for femoids. Uh, if you don't have you know, the and time that gives you an idea. Hatred, you got to shorten it. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, that gives you an idea of like the way they dehumanize women and their terminology. Right. Mm. Um, you know, who, you know, who was like, I, I really thought through his backstory. Like I, I came up with this whole character in the beginning of the chapter sort of written from his perspective. Like he's a college junior. He's never gotten laid. He, you know, becomes increasingly alienated from his female classmates, blah, blah, blah. Um, All something, by the way, like if we haven't been that guy, so many of us have been like friends with that guy, have felt bad for that guy. We, a lot of us have tried to help that guy get laid, right? Like this is like the way you described the person was something that either you could relate to or you probably knew someone who you thought was just like sad and likable, but fit your description. Like you, you, you gave a really good bio of someone I think we all kind of know. Yeah, it's just the, the point that you become an incel and you start identifying with that community is long past the point where that's like the guy, you know, or like long past the point where that's someone capable of being helped in that Mm -hmm. way. And like at a point where it's, it's curdled into real hatred and real anger. And so, you know, on these message boards, you had stuff like, First of all, there was this obsession with underage girls, like, as sort of more pure, as more virginal, and like, you know, not kind of corrupted in the way that women are. There was this obsession with rating women's looks. There, you know, a lot of people say, like, why don't they just, like, sleep with prostitutes? Or just, like, you know, give them sex workers, right? And it's like, first of all, sex workers aren't responsible for dealing with rageful and damaged men. But second of all, Mm -hmm. these men hate women. Like, that's the thing. They consider themselves above sex work and sex workers. They want, they believe themselves entitled to a perfect 10. And that's like the core of their belief structure. So they're constantly rating women, talking about how ugly women are. And, um, you know, obsessed with with tearing down women's looks. Uh, Mm. And, like also really really into anime women like like there was this thi- like sort of poll of like do you prefer like 3d women or 2d lolis like like young looking anime women and mm. like the vote was like majority preferred anime women but they like still They can create that person to be whatever they want to look like because it's fake. It's a drawing. You know, they can commission someone to create what they envision is their 10 that allegedly they deserve to have, right? Yeah. And there are these persistent fantasies about, like, the government, you know, curtailing women's rights, assigning each incel a woman. Like, it's really, like, their fantasies are They're beating off to the handmaid's tale. (laughs) Yeah, really. Like their their fantasies are very much about curtailing women's freedoms and 
about, uh, you know, entitlement to women and their bodies. And like, one of the things like, so I definitely learned to recognize a hate site over the course of my research. And um, one of the like, key ways to recognize a hate site is uh, like, you know, how Breitbart had like a black crime tag for a long time. So I, okay. I believe it for sure. <laughs> yeah, they did. Um, and so like, and you know, uh, the daily stormer and other hate sites like obsessively report on crimes by black people and immigrants. Like, um, black people, immigrants, and Muslims, like that, that makes up like a majority of their news reporting. So it's like, are you reporting disproportionately or like fixating on, you know, real stories of crimes by your disfavored group, you know, and of course presenting them in an inflammatory way. So in, in these incel groups and message boards, uh, it was constantly crimes by women. They were constantly posting about crimes by women. It was like, you know, a hate hate sites about like how women are inferior and how women are criminal and degenerate. So it was remarkable to see like misogyny in such a pure and distilled form. So I really think there's this like central misunderstanding of the incel movement as like about sexual deprivation when in fact it really is just like this distilled movement of misogyny and and it's led to terror attacks against women like repeatedly Mm -hmm. you know alec manassian who uh you know whose trial has been uh very recent in in canada you know ran a a van into a mostly female crowd uh uh scott byerly shot up a yoga studio um and famously elliot roger who was sort of the inspiration for these later crimes um shot up uh you know like um in uc santa barbara went on this shooting rampage starting with his male roommates but you know with the goal of kind of killing as many sorority women as he could um and you know his manifesto his youtube videos um became really central to the current incel community and like uh it's um they call like making a similar attack uh, going ER, um, you know, as in like emulating Elliot Roger. Right. And this is a, a subject of obsession. They also call Elliot Roger a saint. There are lots of images of him like with a halo, uh, you know, that proliferate. Um, and the other thing about the incel community is that its other core principle, besides like really corrosive hate for women, is nihilism. So there's this concept at the core of it um, called taking the black pill. Um, And the black pill is this idea. It's like, it's like the red pill or whatever you might've heard similar Mm. kind of pill terminology. The black pill is the idea that nothing is ever going to get better. Um, That this is just the way it is that, um, you know, like anyone who tells you things are going to get better is lying. So the friend that might say like, you can just like maybe clean yourself up a little and like just talk to a girl. Like they're not these foreign creatures, they're human beings. Like that person is, you know, is is coping, right? So a cope is like a false belief mm-hmm. that that's trying to uh take you away from the essential truth, which is nihilism, which is the black pill. 
Um, and so a lot of the rhetoric is overtly suicidal. Um, there were constant encouragements to suicide, including like posts I saw on these Reddit forums that were like, I'm going to commit suicide tonight. And people just like, you know, cheering them on. Like, yeah, bro, what's it matter anyway? Go for it. Hey, you do the gun, you do in the rope. What it's, it's so, it's like being, have you ever been on a pro Anna or pro Mia, um, site or blogosphere thing? So I saw them on Live Journal back in the day, but I haven't. No, me too. I was in like a, in some pro Anna groups because uh, you know Billy's got some issues, and like it was wild to watch the encouragement of like, oh gosh, I'm gonna not eat for the next 48 hours except for soup, and to like watch people go like, yeah, girl, you've got it. Go ahead and starve yourself. It was like what we are like the encouragement of self harm boggled my mind. Truly, I was like, where, where does that come from? Like, you have to have truly just given up on the whole life thing at that point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and, and I saw similar stuff of like, you know, one guy posting on an incel forum, you know, okay, like I called out of work tomorrow, like I'm going to do it tonight. And like, you know, the, the response is being like, see you on the other side, like see oh. you in incel Valhalla, you know, incel right um is there a mixed react is there a mixed emotional reaction when you read that like how do you respond when you see i find it very sad like i find it like jesus like this is such an unhealthy like you know men who wind up in these communities like are so these are such toxic places in part because the message they impart is not just hatred but also like the only truth is despair. And, you know, like anyone who tells you anything that, that contraindicates this message of dis- of sheer and utter nihilism is lying to you. Um, and that's a very difficult, you know, that's sort of a self-sealing container, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I think unless you sort of manage to snap yourself out of it somehow, like it's sort of there's it's rife with stochastic terror against women uh it's sort of deeply deeply despairing deeply deeply self-loathing like these men are constantly i think there's a lot of uh body image uh body dysmorphia going mm. on obsession I'm sure there's plenty of like obsession with dick size i'm sure is a thing that pops up yeah i saw less it's more like there's more obsession with faces so there's a great um, feature in New York Magazine about uh, th- this plastic surgeon that sort of specializes in incel facial surgery. They're obsessed with like um, kind of facial structure as like the key to, you know, uh, to girls. But th- but the thing is, like, if you obtain the thing that everyone wants which is sex with women then doesn't that make you a chad and therefore you like like did you ever see anyone kind of get booted from the incel communities because they found success or because they saw the light like did you ever see anyone try to exit uh, publicly in there not so much but there were like degrees like 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 a true cell is someone who's like never had sex like a virgin, right? Gold star. And then there are people who are like, who have like maybe had sex like once and then haven't, you know, like ever since or, you know, 
have had a handful of sexual experiences, but are generally sexually alienated. But like, there were these like degrees of incel dumb um, mm. that were like carefully policed, and and it's like a very jargony community. Like, I think one of the ways that it maintains its insularity is like by having a ridiculous amount of jargon to wade through. <laughs> Their term for a woman who's had a lot of sex is is roasty. Um, so because her vagina supposedly resembles roast beef because it's loose. Um, so the first time I wrote a column for the village voice about incels, it was actually a response to like a Ross Douthat column in the times where he expressed like empathy for incels after the Toronto van attack. Um, and was like, maybe we should just like think about them. And, like, their sexual deprivation with, like, some empathy. And I was just, like, fucking look at the community. Like, actually spend some time engaging with their rhetoric and what they talk about and are like. And so I did. And it was interesting. Like, I got sent, like, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pictures of roast beef sandwiches. Um, Because I was a roasty, obviously. But it's so, like, unscientific. Like... Their, their, like, abiding theory is that um, a woman who's had sex with many partners is a roasty. Like, but, like, if you have, like, a husband and you have sex with him many times, like, I don't know that the roasty moniker applies, even though, you know. She's having a lot of sex just with the one person. Cumulatively, having a lot of sex. <laughs> Like, it's not right. scientific in any fashion. It's just, like, a way to... Yeah, it's it's just a way to, like, render women's sexual organs grotesque. Mm. And, like, have, like, a grotesque sort of image of of a vagina. <laughs> like, um, the... Uh, and so there was this totally bogus thing. So incels have a wiki. Of course they do. Um, explaining kind of all of this terminology and they had this like really bogus like fake graph that they described as a labial elasticity index trying to like offer this like scientific proof that like women's vagas get looser if they have sex with more than one partner and Mm. i actually talked to dr jen gunter who's an OBGYN and wrote the vagina bible um which is like the definitive book on vaginas. And I was like, hey, is any of this true? And she's like, there's no such thing as a labial elasticity index. That's not how vaginas work. None of these people have even seen a vagina, let alone like put like put their penis in one. So, which was like very definitive and sort of a funny moment. So, yeah, I mean... Um, it's it kind of did they trick you into that, thinking it could be true? Were you kind of like, fuck, there's a very uh, a, a complicated name for the thing? Maybe, like, did you almost get gaslit into like trying to believe, like, oh, maybe there is an elasticity thing? Well, I'm I'm uh, I was a fact checker for three years, so like my general approach, even to like graphs that are meant to look authoritative, is like, where does this come from? I I like fired up those skills and like looked up each of the academics they like supposedly cited like one of whom didn't exist the other two like (laughs) focused on like one of them focused on like childhoods in malaysia and the other focused on like birds the only like uh 
like iteration of the term labial elasticity refers to like um lungs like lung um lung elasticity and like is cited in studies about bird song so like some incel like really tried to make it look legit but like <laughs> it was very easy to debunk and and so we you know we know that there's this subculture out there the incels and it's like I I look at them and I see I don't make any excuses or whatever I just I see a lot of pain and then I think about like how do we fix that pain to fix the existence of incels what some what do you think might be the solution to the I guess the incel problem or do you think that like anyone who's gone down that rabbit hole is pretty much, you know, they've taken the red pill, they've taken the black pill. They're or do you think they're goners or can we save these people? Well, I mean, hurt people hurt people, right? You know? Right. Like uh, yeah, there is a lot of pain there, a lot of self-loathing, but uh, but I do think the harm they inflict like outweighs <laughs> sort of the harm it's like you know an abused abuser like who do you what do you do mm-hmm. um i think like you attack it at the root right like you you have to denormalize misogyny mm-hmm. um you know misogyny is such a potent on-ramp not just for the radicalized hate movement that is the incel community but also for white supremacy in many ways and like I think it's just such a normalized, such a ubiquitous form of hatred that Mm. uh, for many people, it becomes, uh, it's it's sort of the background noise of our culture. And it's uh, like, (laughs) so, you know, people who dive deeper and deeper into it like already starting from, you know, like 300 yards in, you know, like, so I think the way to combat incel hatred is to combat misogyny from the the get-go. Like, I don't know that you can, I think every person who is part of that community has their own individual journey away from the black pill to make. And like, I leave that to people who are more expert on like de-radicalization and and stuff like that. Mm. Like that's not necessarily my John, my forte, my, my field. But like, I will say it's pretty grim in those, in those boards. Like, and there's such kind of holes of, of both violence and despair both of which feed off each other. And how do you um, take care of yourself? Like you're there to to do research for this book. And that, but at the same time, it doesn't stop the fact that you are experiencing all of this hatred, whether it's the incels or the white supremacists or the Nazis or, you know, whoever, um, how, how, how do you take, how do you take care of Talia during all of this research? You know, in many ways, like it, it was hard. It was hard to do that. It was hard to separate myself from the material, especially during the sort of the thick of writing the book where my research 
writing and life were all like there was no seams really um and so i would wake up read hate chats read hate sites read hate message boards write about them you know try to synthesize what i was reading and you know that was my day every day in and out uh <laughs> and uh it was a very dark year and that was my 2019 um and the edits were in 2020 so um it's been just like a wonderful time to be alive um i don't someone like emailed me some lovely person emailed me like how do i do self-care as i like research this stuff because she's like researching white nationalism and i like to my shame, I like haven't responded because I don't have a great answer. Like I didn't take care of myself. I was a fucking wreck. Mm. I like drank too much and, you know, gained weight and was like exhausted all the time and really depressed. Um, and I found myself sort of only as I was finishing the book able to come out of that fugue a bit. Like I really did. I like put myself through the ringer a bit to, to write the book. Um, just because you sort of, feel like you're in this bell jar a little bit, like you're so immersed in hate, you know, uh, tw 12 to 16 hours a day. Oh, that, yeah. Like, you're just like, is there stuff outside of this world? Like, you know, I was in a relationship that was pretty rough at the time as well. So it was like, it was a rough time. So I don't have great answers to the like self-care questions, but like I found that one of the things that anchors me is cooking and like, you know, sometimes I'm too lazy to cook um, and shopping right now is pretty fraught. <laughs> uh, but like when I do prepare a meal for someone I love, like for me, that's my my principal sort of love language. And then also just like anchor to the earth and, and the good things in it. When you were done with this book, were you just like, I don't need to be friends with another man, I think, ever? Like, I, I don't know how you want to talk to any of us at this point. <laughs> You've talked no, to our worst I, representatives for a year. Some of my dear friends are men. No, I... I oh, how I, progressive I, no. of you. <laughs> no, I, I think... Um, I don't know. I mean, they're sh definitely shitty white supremacist women, too, so... My I was curious about that driving up to drop the equipment off. I was thinking like, what is a woman's place in like the white supremacy movement? Like, are there white supremacist feminists who are like, no, 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 women can lynch just as good as men. Like, I was like, where, what, what role can do they serve in that world? So there's a great book called Sisters in Hate by Sayward Darby that explores this question at greater length. Mm -hmm. um, I, because my book like relied so heavily on infiltration, I was a little hamstrung in um, exploring this question. And had I had longer to write it, like I had about nine months to write the book uh, and then a bit longer to edit it. But like, you know, that's not that long to kind of, I mean, and of course it was based on years of prior work, but like in terms of the bulk of kind of the writing that was all in, in, in nine months, it was pretty fast. Uh, basically, I did, I tried to infiltrate white supremacist female communities, which definitely exist. They're just a little less dumb than their male counterparts and a little more like OPSEC conscious, security conscious. They're kind of like, who can vouch for you? Who have you met? Who do you know? Well, I mean, racist women, like in many ways, prop up the movement. 
Like mm-hmm. they are the wives. Uh, they are like they do a lot of the logistics. Um, and if you look at these <laughs> militia rallies, if you look at these, you know, stop the steal rallies, like there are a lot of women in them. Uh, there are women in like, you know, the United Daughters of the Confederacy, mm-hmm. the militia movements, the Confederacy movements. Um, the the neo Confederate movements rather have like a lot of women in them, uh, you know, hoisting the rebel flag. Um, and women are often the the powerhouses of logistics and and uh, propaganda that um, kind of keep the movement going. Um, and so. Did your feelings get hurt a little bit when you couldn't get into the, you know, the the racist lady group chats? You were like, oh, why not? Why not? Me? I, I worked so hard on my application. What? You couldn't get couldn't get in? Well, it was frustrating because I, like, had created a whole persona, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Like, there are several personas I made that, like, just didn't get far enough and, like, didn't make it into the book. Sure. Do you have um, a favorite persona you took on? Like, one I creatively favorite, I should say. Um, did you... <laughs> Well, the incel one, Tommy O'Hara, was kind of the most elaborate. Uh, Ashlyn, my my like white Iowa like Aryan femme persona, was probably my favorite, just because I love the name Ashlyn and like it just <laughs> my feels prison so... pen pal's name is Ashlyn. <laughs> really? Uh, it, it just feels very like white to me in like a very <laughs> perfect way. Um, and yeah, um, anyway, women definitely have a role in the white supremacist movement. Uh, the, the, the communities I wound up examining for the book were like more heavily male, Mm -hmm. uh, by virtue of just like they had lower security standards because (laughs) men are (laughs) a little more reckless, uh, and also like, that was the na- the nature of the communities that I was exploring, like the sort of neo-Nazi accelerationist communities tended to be more heavily male. And obviously the incel communities are exclusively male. Um, but uh, again, the book Sisters in Hate really goes into depth on, on kind of the role. There, there, there are women, uh, white supremacist propagandists like Lana Lochteff, uh, Lauren Southern, who like kind of present themselves as these... Lovely white femmes, very thin, very kind of... Lana Lochteff kind of looks like the mistress of a Lithuanian orphanage to me. She's, like, very scary looking. <laughs> but, like, uh, you know, she's blonde, very severe looking. Uh, co-runs a channel called Red Ice, which is very shamelessly uh, white supremacist. Uh, like, was present at, you know, Unite the Right in Charlottesville. Uh, and... They present themselves, I mean, the role of women in the white supremacist movement, like, per the kind of standard doctrine is as wombs, right? The, like, the, um, the, the main sort of white supremacist slogan, the 14 words is like, we must secure an existence for our people and a future for our white children. So, um, that was coined by David Lane, uh, a member of the white supremacist terrorist group the order um in 1991 so and that's like the slogan so if you've seen ever like like a big neo-nazi dog whistle is the numbers 1488 
and that's like recognized in the ADL, like like database of hate symbols. And if you see anyone with fourteen eighty eight in their username, that's like a a big red flag, whistle, like red yeah. flag or eighty eight. I mean, there are people who are just like born in nineteen eighty eight, but like uh, so eighty eight stands <laughs> is like H is the eighth letter of the alphabet. Eighty eight is Heil Hitler. Right. Um, so fourteen eighty eight is the fourteen words and Heil Hitler. Um, but so the like, if you look at the fourteen words, one of the big it's like our white children, right? So the idea is like women are wombs essentially, the incubators of the next generation, um, mm. uh, and chaste, passive. They should be submissive. They should be, uh, you know, like ready to. <laughs> like make up for the de- like degenerate horrifying birth rates of people of color by reproducing with a vengeance that, that that's the trad wife archetype that's like embodied by you know there's an influencer called Ala Stewart who blogged under wife with a purpose um you'll you always see them posting like pictures from the 1950s like ads of like white families with the white kids and like being like, remember what they took from you reject tradition, uh, modernity, embrace tradition. Uh, and it's very like, yeah, like back when women couldn't have credit cards and, and uh, you know, no fault divorces <laughs> and shit. I mean, it's very like the, the, you, the degree ever- <laughs> to which white supremacy is premised on misogyny and like, uh, you know, really premised on hatred of women and hatred of feminism. Like they posit that feminism is a Jewish plot to undermine white fertility. Like I always thought it was a queer plot. That's so strange. You know, I well, did you know queerness (laughs) is also a Jewish plot? Um, And so is being trans. Like everything's a fucking Jewish plot. It's like amazing that we have time to shit. You you also have time to like run the entertainment industry and banking and also all these plots. Y'all must be tired. No, I'm I'm exhausted. Um, why do you think I said I only had four hours of sleep? I was busy, like converting a um, bunch of teenagers to being trans so that white people would die out and uh, we could control the world better because people of color are more malleable to Jewish control. It's a very racist Clearly. theory, as well as an anti-Semitic theory. Um, so that's like the general, like, like zeitgeist, the worldview that we're, we're operating under. And so there are women who like are influencers in this, in this milieu, but of course, like it's a, it's a bit of a tender (laughs) subject, right? Because if they're unmarried, it's like, why aren't you married? Um, you know, why aren't you pumping out babies? Uh, they face like a lot of misogyny. She's like, I'm just trying to work really hard to build up my anti-Semitic YouTube channel. I don't need a man right now. (laughs) Yeah, no, (laughs) exactly. I'm like Crimea River, right? Um, like the (laughs) ultimate in white feminism. Uh, and, um, you know, but of course there are always people who, I mean, the essence of white feminism is like, fuck you, I get mine, right? Like I will... Like whiteness will protect me, like or or just like you know, conservative women, right? Always make this bargain of like whiteness will protect me, uh, or like my political, my my Serena Joy strivings will protect me, you know, even as I work to further a system that undermines my autonomy as a person. Um, no, but there are always part- those people, and they're and so- they're in part their rarity is what 
what kind of garners them attention. Mm. I think, but but in the of, sort of more mainstream, like less online, patriot far right movements, there are many more women. What was the white supremacy dating site like? So that was incidentally also founded by a woman, or at least someone claiming pretty convincingly to be a woman, uh, a woman named Liv Haida, living in Germany. Um, uh, so that was a site called whitedate.net that I entered under my persona, Ashlyn. Um, mm. Ashlyn from Iowa, uh, who loves guns and, um, like, I don't know, grew up what, with like an Aryan nation's dad. I don't know. I like really came up with a whole backstory for her, but basically what, sort of, what, what TV shows did Ashlyn enjoy? <laughs> she liked Taylor Swift. She like, I don't know about TV, but like I had kind of, she lived in Amber, Iowa, which I feel really bad for that town. Cause like now, and they're like uh, in the Wikipedia page, it's like notable, like cultural representations and it's like talia laven and her book culture warlords had one of her catfish personas come from amber iowa and i was like oh no poor amber <laughs> it's like a really small town and that's why i picked it i don't know um but yeah uh um the reason why i picked whitedate.net which i found on like uh one of the like racist blogs that i was reading at the time like mm-hmm the founder was like, we need to breed human beings. Like we breed animals and like white people should seek other white people without shame. Um, and so like, and they were particularly advertising for women and I go on the site and like, they have this mini flyer that you're supposed to print out and hand to the nearest woman, white woman. I was like, our survival is as important as the survival of the Siberian tiger. You look like like one of us. In the supermarket, just like drop it in someone's cart when you pass? Basically, you're supposed to, yeah, like join us on whitedate.net. Like you were supposed to hand it to her and then take it back, uh, I guess, to like (laughs) printing fees are high. (laughs) Just an absolutely insane marketing strategy. But I saw that and I was like, this seems like a great opportunity for catfishing. And I actually started that operation before I even started the book. Um, I was just like, I want to find out who, what, what's the deal with that? Um, So I had already like had Ashlyn going for a while before I started the book. And my initial idea was to sort of unmask some of the people on it. And... um, I have like reported one guy I found who's an assistant professor in Zurich to like a Swiss newspaper, but they're like, well, you kind of were pretending to be someone else. And this was a little coerced. So (laughs) not sure if we can report this. And I'm like, well, you're like, whatever. That doesn't Um, change that he's on the site. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Like being, you know, using the N word. And I mean, it just goes back to like our earlier point about like, white supremacists are human and that doesn't make them any less despicable. Mm. It was like, you know, people from all over the country, like New York and California, very much not accepted. Uh, Like from the Midwest, from Europe, um, people from all over the world um, wanting to get into Ashland's chaste little Christian pants. And, um, you know, 
like having all these conversations. And so eventually I made them start writing love letters <laughs> to their ideal white wife um, and, wow. and sending them to me. And I printed some of the letters in the book. Um, and as I write, it was sort of like a, a cross between Nicholas Sparks and Mein Kampf, where it's like, there were these like very like earnest stabs at romantic prose, uh, but like also very fashy. So it was like, you know, like we shall raise our children to be a wolf pack, you know, or like we, we will we will stomp on the Jews together hand in hand. <laughs> yeah, like I long to kiss you in a wheat field, and like we'll keep our kids away from the Marxists and the darkies. Like it was like, you know, it was horrible and fascinating, and like you know, the, the reading the profiles, there were so many people in the military. There were a lot of people in like software engineers. Um, it was like the military. Uh, police, retired police, um, and software engineers were like the most common um, professions. There were also a lot of farmers um, and like homesteaders and retirees. Um, yeah, I feel like farmersonly.com like can like sort of pseudo act as a white supremacy dating site. Yeah, but this was like, you know. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't, don't make me diss farmers. I'm already like a rootless cosmopolitan. Like, don't, you know, don't make me like, just like shit on the salt of the earth I have subcultures hating on me, Mr. Persita. Uh, yeah, like, come on. I'm sure there are some lovely farmers who are not white supremacists. Yeah, and actually, but no, but there were so many soldiers, which was really worrying. Uh, and actually, after the book came out, I wound up like, like this, like Marine, who was like currently list enlisted Marine, like wrote under his real name on my Instagram, like the Jewish religion is that of Satan. And I like wound up just like screenshotting it and exposing him. Yeah. And like now he's under investigation. He was like a trainee machine gunner for the Marines. And I'm like, um, hey, come get your guy. <laughs> like, yeah, there's a big white supremacy problem in the U.S. military and a big white supremacy problem in, like, the U.S. police forces and just a big white supremacy problem in the U.S. in general. But, like, yeah, I mean, I would say the biggest um, revelations or whatever, the, the biggest textures of the experience as Ashlyn on WhiteDate.net was, like, they wanted, like, a chaste and submissive Aryan bride. So, like, the... <coughs> the sort of approaches were relatively respectful um, mm. more so than on like an ordinary dating site. Let's put really? it that way. So like less dick pics on white people date. <laughs> yeah. And like they were, you know, one guy like stopped talking to me because I was talking to more than one guy at a time on the site. Um, and, and thus I was hypergamous, which is an incel term for like, women's tendencies to like like scheme for the best value match or whatever um which, i thought like, that was just free market capitalism that these people seem to jerk off to all the time just, like, yeah buddy i'm, I'm to... shopping around for the best white supremacy genes in this in this pool well well white supremacist uh politics don't necessarily map one-to-one -one onto like gop orthodoxies like there are some super online white supremacists who like 
take advantage of people's jadedness with capitalism and say stuff like, you know, oh, like the, you know, the people who run the world don't have any interest in your welfare, which is true. It's just that the people who run the world for them equals the Jews. Like, it's like they take all the critiques of capitalism that are like very commonplace among, you know, young leftists and kind of just sub Jew in for capitalism. Uh, And that's like a pretty effective marketing strategy for disaffected young men, actually. Um, But yeah, I mean, um, so it was like these sort of sexually like uh, respectful advances, but then, you know, horrific racism. I like, because I'm Jewish, like found it more comfortable to like be like openly anti-Semitic than anything else like i wasn't using the n-word i don't think i used it once even in all undercover uh operations just because i was just like i'm not ever gonna do that um did Mm. use the word kike a lot (laughs) um because i'm like well that's me so it's not so bad i don't know you get in weird (laughs) moral loops when you're doing shit like this Mm. um but uh yeah i mean they were just like ordinary weird people from all over the country um who wanted like their chaste white aryan bride and like it was fascinating to be among them in that sense um and once again like i came to the conclusion that first of all like white supremacy is animated by and premised on a deep misogyny and like a deep loathing of feminism and equity and like second of all that the people who are its engine, the people who drive it, are human. That the hatred they seek is the culmination of dozens or hundreds of human choices. Mm -hmm. And that that does not make it any less worthy of condemnation. To the contrary, um, it makes it more urgent to defeat and to defeat wholesale uh, and to reimpose a social cost on that bigotry um, Mm. through collective action. And and that's what I think is is so difficult for a lot of people who otherwise agree bigotry is bad. But there's so many people who still don't think it's bad enough to cut ties with the closest to them. They can cut ties with that dude from work they didn't even talk to anyway. But like Uncle Joe. Also, when you see someone saying like, this person is using like the N-word online and like doing racist harassment, they shouldn't have a job anymore. Don't be that guy in the comments being like, well, um, is this really bad enough for them to lose their job? Um, what about free speech? Um, shouldn't we let Nazis talk because of the marketplace of ideas? No, because fuck them. Fuck them. Fuck them. And, uh, and every time they talk in public, they're recruiting. Mm-hmm. And like, no one is entitled to, you know, like use to a platform to to spread racism. You're not, you're not entitled like, to a Twitter page. It's not in the Constitution. We yeah. only have free speech from the government. We have freedom of speech from that, but you don't have a freedom of the consequences of that. The social consequences of that speech. And I don't, and, and I still don't buy all this free speech shit because Parler still doesn't let you have sex stuff on there. So like, I don't believe any of this free speech bullshit till they're okay with porn. Until then, it's all it's all lies to me. <laughs> right, and and I think you know anyone who kind of is willing to make these mendacious like free speech for Nazis arguments like shuts up real quick when you 
say like, okay, what about ISIS? You cool with ISIS propagandizing on your, your comments? And that's like, mm -hmm. I don't know. I think a lot of these arguments are whiteness defending itself, right? Um, which is a very durable edifice. <laughs> um, and, and ultimately, I think people are more sympathetic to these arguments than, than they necessarily want to betray. Um, and, and sometimes that, that manifests in the sort of nice liberal marketplace of ideas, <laughs> uh, kinds of arguments Pe that I really have increasingly less patience for. I think that's the most sort of significant outcome of my radicalization is that when someone says marketplace of ideas, let them talk, let them have the platform, let them march. I'm just like, fuck you. Fuck you. All, all, all you're saying to me is that you're, you're cool if people who look like me and my family die. Um, you know, that more and more people are radicalized to kill people who look like me, to kill Muslims and, and gay people and, and trans people and queer people because this is like a religion of death. It's, 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 it's uh, a death cult. It's, it's only purpose is violence. Um, Talia, I, the the last thing I was going to ask, just um, you know, someone, everyone should go get out, go get Culture Warlords. Uh, someone who reads your book, is, is there an action step you would like them to be taking away from from reading your book? Something they can do in their own lives to try to help take the stabs at all this. Well, so the book ends with kind of a rousing, well. It ends with a an explication of, and then a defense of, and then an, kind of an exhortation to join Antifa, <laughs> uh, like to become an anti-fascist, but also kind of a debunking of this whole, like, it's people in masks punching people like solely, and you should be scared of them and they're terrorists kind of idea. But I think we should all be anti-fascists, um, and it starts in your town, it starts in your community, it starts in your HOA and your school, you know? starts on your Facebook page like you know is that guy that you know who's always posting racist shit like um is he part of any groups where does he work like you know what's your local clan chapter like who's a member of it like start in your town start small like have there been any issues with like white supremacist flyering in your town that's like a really common tactic that they use is like p passing out flyers so I have Google alerts on like white supremacist and white uh, nationalist, among other terms. And like one of the most common news stories that pops up is like, you know, oh, like small town, California, small town, Indiana, small town, wherever, New Jersey, like white supremacist flyers are appearing. Has that happened in your town in the last six months? Can you figure out who it was done by? And like when you have that information, publicize it and and like encourage people to act on it, you know? Like, don't be afraid. Stick your neck out. It's time. We all need to make a stand. Well, Talia, thank you. Uh, I, I want to let you get some sleep. I hope you sleep about like, I don't know, three years. I think you've, you could, <laughs> you could use it. It sounds tiring. I can't believe you had the patience to get through all that. So, you know, bless you for it. Um, Talia, uh, the book is Culture Warlords. Where can people find you? Where can they find the book? So the book is available anywhere. It's available on audiobook if you like the sound of my voice and want to hear it for eight more hours uh yeah. and <laughs> an ebook for your kindle um and anywhere books are sold please support your struggling local indie bookstore if you can um so you can find it on bookshop.org and of course amazon um and uh you can find me my biggest outlet is twitter um 
where just search my name, Talia, T-A-L-I-A, Lavin, L-A-V-I-N. My handle is a stupid pun. It's, it's <laughs> at chick. It's like at chick underscore in underscore Kiev. I lived for in Kiev for a year after college on a Fulbright grant. And I that's when I made my Twitter. And it was like a pun on chicken Kiev. So I was like, you know, the dish. And I was like, chick yeah. in. It's so stupid. And people always ask if I'm a Russian spy. Kiev isn't even in Russia, but whatever. Um I have a stupid handle. Just search me. And I'm also on Instagram as Talia Inter Alia, which is Latin for Talia, among other things, because I'm a fucking nerd. Um, yeah. And yeah, um, my Instagram is just me posing with swords because I have like six swords. <laughs> um, don't ask about the psychosexual consequences of that because we're already at the end of the show. Ah. Uh, <laughs> well, Talia, thanks again for chatting with us. And why don't you go ahead and say goodbye to everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Um, thanks so much for having me. Uh, and if you ever have me on, I'll talk again. I'll talk about owning swords and my love of sharp phallic objects. Um, have to circle back on that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bye. Take care. Oh, what a rich, juicy episode of topics, right? We got white supremacy feminism. We got incels. We got free speech and porn. Oh, so much to talk about. Uh, And I got a great place for you to go talk about it. Go connect with fellow fan whores on our Discord server, The Champagne Room. Over there, there will be a channel dedicated just to this episode, Ep365, Leave your comments, leave your questions, discuss with whoreheads from around the world. Uh, and you can gain access to our free Discord server at manwhorepod.com slash Discord. Share what you thought about this week's episode on your Instagram story and be entered for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card or a $100 gift card to the local business of your choosing. Okay, you know, hey, shop small, support local. <laughs> um, don't forget to tag me. I am at Billy is Presida to qualify and if you have a private account just dm me with a screenshot to prove you did it want to tell me directly what you thought about this week's show you can send your comments your questions your criticisms all on over to manwhorepod at gmail.com and if you want to talk to me directly but not about the show and maybe a little bit more about gosh how dreamy these blue eyes are or if you've ever been curious about my cock or maybe you've just really really wanted to send me a nude and you'd like to ask nicely with uh, with a little tip. You can connect with me with all that dirty stuff over at my OnlyFans. Mmm, yeah. Come on by. It's free to follow. OnlyFans.com slash CallMeBilly. But, uh, folks, I hope your 2021 has begun uh, fairly well. I, I hope you're doing positive things. I, I'm not expecting you to be feeling happy right now, but maybe you can feel um, a little more productive. Maybe you can be working on yourself I hope I hope that for you because that's I think that's more what I'm focusing on now. Less rat racy, less desperation, more focusing on me. Let's do that. Yo, start doing the yoga again. Oh yeah, uh, folks, know your worth. Demand better. Stay slutty. It's the vibrator that has no equal. And now, Motor Bunny offers their thrusting sex machine, the Motor Bunny Buck. Enjoy a fan whore discount at manwhorepod.com slash motorbunny 
or use promo code MANHOR at checkout.